Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. So perhaps the most politically volatile action of the new Trump administration has been this executive order that's been dubbed the Muslim ban. Now here at Freedom's Ring, it's not our purpose to uh, become overtly political or partisan, but the you know from a religious liberty standpoint, uh, the way that this executive order was crafted has led to religious freedom challenges. And so what we want to do is understand what these challenges, what the constitutional issues are that have been raised by this approach to immigration and, and security. So I've invited as our guest today uh, Attorney Gadir Abbas, who filed one of the lawsuits challenging the executive order on behalf of a group of, of Islamic leaders who are part of the organization the, uh, called CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations. Uh, Mr. Abbas, thank you so much for joining us on Freedom's Ring today. Thank you for having me. Now, um, you filed this lawsuit, and among other challenges in your complaint, you included First Amendment challenges, religious freedom challenges. Yeah. Can you explain what, you know, why you think that the way the executive order was crafted, that it violates the First Amendment? Well, the Constitution actually contains multiple provisions that redundantly guarantee for people equal treatment. And we think a lot of equal treatment along uh, racial lines, ethnic lines, gender lines. Um, but it's actually the First Amendment which guarantees equal protection along religious lines. And that protection is enshrined in what's called the Establishment Clause. And the Establishment Clause arose out of the very unique experience of the colonists at the founding of uh, the United States of America, of religious plurality. It wasn't just one single Christian sect. It was Quakers and Puritans and Methodists and Mennonites and others that were there and wanted to ensure that one or the other faction doesn't take control of the reins of government and utilize government authority in a way that either excludes um, particular religious groups or um, somehow makes particular religious groups seem uh, more dangerous, less equal, or somehow more nefarious. And so the executive order does that. Uh, it, it segregates uh, a subsection of Muslims in the world for special uh, disfavored treatment. And it was a really a pillar of the Trump campaign to um, stigmatize the Muslim community. And this was stigmatization that was actually put into practice. And so while the word Islam, while the word Muslim is not in the executive order, the intentions behind the executive order were very clear from the start. And the Establishment Clause prohibits the government from utilizing authority in a way 
that's intended to inflict punishment, uh, inflict a disparate uh, burden on uh, one religious group rather than another. So let me, um, you know, there have been a lot of questions raised by some of us. You know, I'm an attorney as well, and uh, quite studied on on First Amendment issues. Um, one of the questions that some of us have asked is, does the Establishment Clause somehow protect uh, non-citizens who want to come to this country? Does it even apply? Does the First Amendment apply? Who has First Amendment rights? And why do you suppose that, um, you know, this particular order then would somehow, uh, you know, that the Establishment Clause would apply to a government action that deals with foreigners as, as such? Yeah, and the executive order simplifies that analysis because it doesn't just apply to people that are outside the United States. It applies to everybody that is on a student visa, um, a non-immigrant visa. Even if you're on a tourist visa and you're in the U.S., this executive order applies to you. And so it's very clear that the U.S. Constitution applies to every single person uh, on U.S. territory. And so whether you're an undocumented uh, immigrant living in the U.S. Uh, or whether you're a Syrian um, tourist visa holder inside the U.S., your the Constitution would apply to that in the exact same manner if you're in the U.S. Now, this notion that the Constitution applies to protect not just citizens, but all persons, is something that many Americans don't understand. I've done a number of lectures, uh, both on immigration rights and First Amendment rights generally, and I think Americans, um, they don't get just how broad the scope of the Constitution really is. So this is a point worth emphasizing that it's not just citizens who enjoy protection under our Constitution. Um, but turning our attention for a moment to uh, the basic Establishment Clause analysis in, in the lawsuit that you filed, I was interested to see how you pled what are essentially the basic elements of an Establishment Clause claim as the Supreme Court has uh, you know, over the years used what we've come to know as the Lemon Test yeah. after the case of Lemon versus Kurtzman. So, for example, you allege in the lawsuit that the uh, executive order uh, lacks a secular purpose, that the purpose and effect both of the order were religious and religious discrimination. Can you explain? Yeah, uh, you know, there's very few examples um, in Establishment Clause jurisprudence of government disfavorment of religion. Typically, it's, you know, a public display that endorses, you know, typically Christianity uh, rather than some other faith. But in this case, the intentions of the executive order are, are very clear and easy to trace, you know, that in December 2015, um, with much fanfare, uh, Donald Trump uh, announced a uh, proposal for a complete 
shutdown of Muslim immigration uh, to the United States. Um, this became a campaign talking point uh, that was um, discussed and reiterated by Donald Trump and the advisors that surrounded him uh, for uh, 11 months. Um, and then, uh, you know, in the, after he was elected, uh, you had, and after the executive order issued, you had Rudy Giuliani explaining the genesis of the tax. Um, and he made it very clear that Donald Trump approached him and said, I want to ban Muslim immigration and I want to do it in a way that's defensible in court. And that's another indication that the apparently neutral language uh, of the executive order was really a tactical decision um, that did not do anything to uh, um, negate the original intent of the executive order. Now, the effect of the executive order really is being felt by all uh, Muslims inside the United States. Uh, this executive order, you don't have to tell um, whether, you know, whether it's a Muslim citizen or a Muslim green card holder or a Muslim student, you don't have to tell anybody uh, whether uh, this executive order has had a stigmatizing effect on their faith. Uh, this executive order did what it was intended to do. It, it was aimed at stigmatizing Islam in America, and it did, in fact, stigmatize against Islam in America. But, you know, the lemon test has the purpose and the effect prongs, but there's also an entanglement issue here, which is the third uh, prong of the lemon test. The entanglement uh, prong uh, looks whether or not the government action uh, entangles uh, government in uh, religious affairs and religious doctrine. And this executive order, because it's text that we're going to allow religious minorities in, in, uh, in certain countries to continue to um, receive certain immigration benefits, uh, it, it, it does result in entanglement because there is going to be a decision about where Islam ends and where Islam begins. And, and that question can be difficult sometimes and open to debate, right? There's, for instance, uh, there's a, uh, a primarily um, uh, Iranian-Persian um, uh, religious uh, community Baha'i um, that is uh, definitely related to Islam in terms of its lineage. And there's some folks in that community would consider themselves Muslim, um, and, and some would not. And people outside of that community would, religious scholars, some would say that they're Muslim, some would say that they're not. And so that type of line drawing is, uh, is not the appropriate role of government. And it really harkens back to one of the first attempts to legislate against Islam in America. You know, so in 2010, uh, a few um, opportunistic uh, Oklahoma legislators, state lawmakers, decided to the issue of Sharia law on the uh, ballot. And they wanted to say their ballot referendum uh, proposed that state courts in Oklahoma would be forbidden from considering Sharia law, which is the very general term that refers to the religious traditions of Islam, it would prohibit state courts from considering Sharia law in any proceedings. And it's fair to ask, well, why would any court ever consider um, religious doctrine in, uh, in any type of adjudication? Well, the answer is that it happens pretty regularly. And 
So, for instance, if someone wants to uh, uh, have their will probated, um, uh, compliance with a particular um, and identifiable um, religious uh, document, a court doesn't care if that religious document is from the Bible or from a coloring book, so long as its contents can be determined without parsing out religious doctrine. Sure. And and they wanted to do that not because of the consequences in court. They wanted to propose this ballot initiative to stigmatize the practice of Islam. And unfortunately, 700,000 people, 70% of the voting public in Oklahoma in 2010 voted to approve it. We had to file a lawsuit to have it stop. You know, coming back to the executive order, the thing that I found the most troubling um, that, that you haven't quite hit on in preferring the you know immigration rights or opportunities of religious minorities, there is just, it seems to be overtly discriminatory on its face. And I don't think that uh, the Establishment Clause, that there's any interpretation that would permit that kind of facially discriminatory uh, policy. Yeah, absolutely. And there's really a, you know, the establishment... Well, sorry, we're out of time. Our guest today has been Attorney Gadir Abbas explaining the religious freedom challenges to the executive order, the so-called Muslim ban, uh, the future of which remains uncertain as we're recording today. Mr. Abbas, we appreciate your being with us and explaining um, the position. Thank you very much for having me. And as we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk the talk about religious freedom. We help folks who are suffering religious discrimination, especially in employment. Please check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org, churchstate.org. And don't forget, folks, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Ronach. Until next week, let freedom ring. Freedom's Ring.